Hey, it's Mozzie here. I don't have much experience when it comes to rallying, but Walkinshaw Racing Services does. And they're available now for your rally needs. They can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication. No job is too big or too small. There's CNC machines, 3D printers, a chassis build shop and paint and engine shop that you can utilize. And you don't need to be an Aussie champion or factory back to be able to. From club to state to national level competitors and car owners, let Walkinshaw Racing Services help you with your rally needs. Call now on 1300WRacing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hello and welcome to the Special Stage Rally Podcast for the first time on the Motorsport Podcast Network. My name is Luke Whitten and with me is Peter Witten from Rally Sport Magazine, a long-time rallying journalist, competitor, and all kinds of things. Peter, welcome to the podcast. G'day, Luke. Great to be here. And uh, yeah, it's good to be on the, the Motorsport Podcast Network for the first time. Yeah, you'll be hearing from us moving forward on this feed, as as you will for the next little while, as we, we try to grow the sport of rallying and bring some more news and features and all that kind of stuff to you via this podcast. So it's a nice new partnership that we're getting to getting to know through the next little while. So rallying's moving forward in leaps and bounds and it's good to be able to spread the word further um, as it does grow. So it's an exciting season ahead and Peter, it'll be good to chat about it as the year goes forward. It will be, Luke, yeah. And not only will we be covering the news of rallying in Australia and, and overseas in the World Rally Championship, but we'll be doing feature stories and feature cars and lots of other bits and pieces. So anybody who's keen on an engine and a gearbox and a rear end, it's, um, it'll be good for you. So stay with us. That's it. We come from the rallying world and an Australian rally sport news, you might remember. Rally Sport Magazine is the printed version, but Nowadays, it's a subscription format on the website, so those feature articles will come on rallysportmag.com. And for little snippets, little bits and pieces as we catch things around the rallying world, we'll be on the podcast here in this feed. So make sure when it does come up, you take a listen, learn a couple of little things each week as, as we come to you from the rallying world. So it'll be good to chat to you guys every single week and to be able to to share what we love and hopefully you'll join us as part of the rallying community as we go forward. Absolutely, yeah. There's plenty happening this year and we've got Aussies overseas competing in the World Rally Championship. We've got new cars coming to the Australian Rally Championship. The club scene is pretty pretty vibrant at the moment and, uh, yeah, plenty going on. So it's uh, like it is in supercars and, and all other forms of racing. The rally world is going ahead at the moment, so we we can't wait. That's probably a good place to start, Peter. You mentioned Australians in the World Rally Championship. At the weekend, it was Rally Sweden, the snowy and cold rally of the World Rally Championship because it requires a completely different skill set to be able to drive on snow with completely different tyres and all that kind of stuff. Taylor Gill and Peter Rullo, two Australian drivers, were there competing. It's, it's great to be able to fly the flag overseas and to be able to see those names up in lights. It certainly is, and uh, two drivers with, I guess, vastly different age brackets and, and different skill sets in some ways too. Mm-hmm. Taylor is a young guy, 20 years old, who's who's got the World Rally Championship as his number one goal. Peter Rullo clearly is uh, an experienced competitor, a tarmac racer, tarmac rally guy who's gone to gravel in recent times uh, and simply over there to to experience rallying on snow. And 
by crikey, it wasn't it a, a snowy event. It was probably the, the snowiest rally Sweden they've had for many, many years. Temperatures well below minus 10. Uh, and, yeah, probably the, the most perfect conditions you could have. And for a, a snow rallying newcomer, you could say it's a perfect start because the conditions are perfect. You don't have to worry about tyre wear all that much, although it did come into play towards the end of it for those guys. But to be able to drive on the snow, which what many people say is having more grip than gravel. So to do that in perfect conditions makes it a great way to learn and be able to grow on your skills, which is particularly what Taylor Gill was doing in his Junior World Rally Championship debut. Correct. And as you say, there is more more grip on the snow and ice when it is really perfect conditions with the studded tyres. You do have more grip than on gravel or on tarmac. And, and I chatted to Ed Ordinsky just a few days ago, and, and he did the event in 1991, um, did really well, finished seventh in a Group N category when there was about 50 or 60 cars in the class. Um, Ed knows those conditions well. And, yeah, it was the perfect time for Taylor and Peter to go over there and experience that. Taylor started with the Super Special stage or the Spectator stage, more or less, on the Thursday night of the rally. He was in second position after that stage. And from there, as things went further on in the longer stages on Friday morning, he was sitting in second overall and third overall in the Junior World Rally Championship. So expectations all of a sudden change, don't they? When we spoke to Taylor before the event, he was saying that he was just hoping to get in the top half of those 19 Junior World Rally Championship competitors. And all of a sudden, when you get into that podium position, I'm sure for him, as much as it was for us, Peter, the expectations change and you think, gee, your podium might be on the cards here. And you think, wow, where could this take take Taylor across this season? But reality comes crashing down, doesn't it? When all of a sudden things start to go wrong, it, yeah, it's a tough sport. It is, and it's probably worth at this stage just to give a, a quick overview of where Taylor's come from. I mean, we saw him in his first event at Batemans Bay uh, in 2020 during the COVID period, and, and Taylor was 16 years old on his L plates and and finished that event in the top 10 in the New South Wales State Championship round. So a brilliant effort. Showed right from the start that he had the, the ability. Uh, at the end of 2022, uh, he went to India as part of the final for the Asia-Pacific Series in the FIA Rally Star competition. Uh, he got chosen for that did six events in Europe last year, and he's ended up a world championship driver this year for five events in, in 2024. So it's amazing where he's come from and where he's got to, and it's even so, it's, it's four years into his career, but he really is at just the beginning. Mm. He had all expectations in Sweden, particularly being his first time on snow. I don't think I've ever ridden every single stage of a junior world rally championship as I did on, on Sweden. Um, when you think of when Brendan Reeves and Molly Taylor were part of the, the World Rally Championship in their junior junior sort of era, the stage times and whatever, they were coming through live, of course, but we weren't able to follow them live on the TV and live through social media as we know it now. So to be following along with Taylor stage by stage as he went up the leaderboard and then unfortunately as those two punctures forced him to go crashing down the leaderboard, it was like riding a roller coaster in many ways. It was, and I remember when Chris Atkinson was doing the World Championship back in the the early to mid two thousands. I mean, yeah, the internet was around and and all that sort of stuff then, but we didn't have those live split times and end of stage interviews and stuff as you mentioned that we do now. And 
Um, we were certainly writing Chris's results, but often we weren't seeing those until first thing the next morning once you got out of bed. So it was wonderful to to watch Taylor and, and to see Peter's times as well and follow them throughout the throughout the weekend. Mm. Peter Rulo, obviously the father of Alex Rulo, a long time supercars driver. You might not say a long time supercars driver, but he broke a couple of records on the way, being the youngest to do it. He was in the Rally 2 class in the Skoda Fabia Rally 2 Evo. Now, that's a little bit more of an upspec car than what Taylor was driving in the Junior World Rally Championship. It's what former Targa winner Eddie Maguire will be driving in this year's Australian Rally Championship. A faster car, but Peter's not at the level that Taylor is skill-wise or experience-wise. So Taylor was setting a lot faster times than Peter, but as you said right at the top, there's expectations for Taylor, perhaps there's not for Peter, and they're doing it for for completely different reasons. And unfortunately, a fuel pump failure spelled the end of, of Peter's rally. Yeah, you're right. But that was, on I think, the second last stage of the event. So he'd done sure. the full three days of the rally pretty much. And it's worth remembering too that um, I'm sure not only had Peter not driven on snow before, but his co-driver, Ben Searcy, who's also a Western Australian state champion driver himself, uh, he'd never seen snow before he went to Sweden. So what an experience for those guys to get over there, coming from WA where in parts of WA recently it's been well over 40 degrees, um, to go over to Sweden where it's minus 20 and have to not only get used to those conditions but then go out and compete in them. I wonder if those West Australian boys had to go shopping before they went across to Sweden because knowing the WA climate, they probably don't need a big winter jacket all that often. You wouldn't think so, and it's funny, Luke. I mean, I was chatting to uh, um, a good mate of ours on Rally Sport magazine, Ken Curtis, last night. He lives up at Carnarvon, and yesterday it was 49.9 degrees there. It was quite incredible, in it. and he said once it gets over 40, it's uh, it's just a number. So, But you're right, those guys certainly wouldn't have had uh, a winter jacket in their, in their wardrobe, you wouldn't have thought. Well, they mentioned the idea of also bringing their Hyundai i20N Rally 2 cars that they use in the Australian Championship over there to Europe. It was something that Peter floated on their social media account at the end of the event. We're yet to follow up with Peter as to whether that might happen, how it would happen, and what it would mean for their their Australian program. But we'll be following that up over the next little while and and seeing seeing what the plans are and and seeing where things might take them because Peter said he fell in love with the WRC. And for those people who've been able to experience a World Rally Championship event in Australia or overseas, it's a huge show. And to be able to compete in that event and be able to be part of that big circus that goes around all parts of Europe, South America, everywhere in the world, it's yeah an addictive thing from, from many reports. It is, and it will be an interesting um, process moving forward with Peter and also with Alex. And Alex showed plenty of ability in last year's Australian Rally Championship driving at Hyundai. And he's a guy who's still learning, obviously. I mean, he's he's got plenty of tarmac experience, but rallying on gravel takes a lot of time to um, to get up to speed and to get up to the confidence level where you need to push really hard and be able to get those results. But he's clearly shown that he's got the talent and the ability. Um, I think... Yeah, potentially Alex Rullo is a, is a future Australian rally champion if all goes well, um, whether he wants to stick in Australia and concentrate on that or whether maybe Dad will say, here, come and do the WRC with me. But um be nice to have those opportunities. Absolutely, absolutely. Overall in Rally Sweden, we'll cover off briefly on the on the top three. Esa Pekka Lappi won the rally for Hyundai. 
he's now the the person who's got the biggest gap from their first and second rally win. His first win was way back in the middle of 2017. That's many, many moons ago. And for him to win, it was almost a foregone conclusion by the end of Saturday morning, Peter, because he had a battle with Japanese driver Takamoto Katsuta throughout Friday once a couple of his other rivals fell by the wayside. And for a day and a half, for almost two days, he was simply cruising to get to the finish and, and did so ahead of Toyota's Elfin Evans and Ford's Adrian Formo, who defied all odds and your predictions, Peter, from a few podcasts ago to get M-Sport on the podium. It didn't last long, that prediction of M-Sport not getting on the podium, but for me, it was great to see them rise up and for Adrian to to show some of the potential that he does have. That's right, and you're right. My, my prediction was that uh, M Sport wouldn't get a podium this year, and and I just I didn't see how that was going to happen. Nothing to do with the team or the drivers, uh, really. Just the fact that there's so many good drivers out there, and even in Sweden we had guys like Oit Tanak and Calais Rovanperä, who the reigning world champion who crashed on the fourth stage. Um, and to me, he was the the hot favourite to win the rally, but for reasons that um, didn't come about, he he didn't get that result. So fantastic result for M Sport and Adrian Formo. But as you say, for Esa Lappi, um, a wonderful result. His first result, or sorry, his first win was with Toyota at uh, at Rally Finland, his home event, and that was six years ago. So to see him back on the podium, he's such a likeable guy. He, um, he wears his heart on his sleeve, I think, and just um, the emotions come out of him, and it was great to see. Now we've got to talk about the points. Esapeka Lappi might have won the event, and in traditional point scoring formats, you would think, yeah, sure, Esapeka Lappi's got the most points for the championship, but that's not the case. And you, what would be a word to describe it, Peter? Radical might be the way to talk about it. So in a WRC event now, Sunday, you get a lot of points, let's say. You get the bulk of your points for the first two days, but in reality, the leaderboard resets itself for Sunday, and there's a bunch of points available for Sunday and because Lappy was chasing that win and and competing in a part-time season he's not worried about the championship so he was able to cruise through and make sure he gets his rally win but Alfin Evans who finished in second is a title contender he was able to push through Sunday and and get those points and finish with a few more points than what the winner did it's confusing on the surface it's confusing for rally fans but I don't think it has to last long, does it? These these points scoring, I guess, anomalies of winners not getting the most amount of points, Peter. I don't know if they can change it during the year. I know the FIA have said that they can change it and it's up for review during the year, but uh, yeah, I don't know how they can actually make a change once no. things have started and, and once it gets moving into the season. No, I'd say there's probably no chance of it being changed mid-year. I mean, it, it is... For all intents and purposes, a disaster. I mean, it's confusing um, the fact that the rally winner scored seven points less than the guy who finished seven, uh, who finished second. Sorry, um, is just an, an anomaly that um, shouldn't be there. Social media has blown up over the last couple of days since the the finish of Rally Sweden. People just saying, "How can this be?" And even uh, Calais Revenpera, who we said crashed on the fourth stage, he only scored a few points less than the guy who finished third. Um, it just doesn't make any sense, and it, it makes makes almost a bit of a mockery of of the guy who wins the event. And the reason why they changed the point score was previously to this year, um, 
there's the power stage, which is always the last stage of the rally. There's there's an extra five points on offer for the winner of that power stage. So therefore, the last couple of seasons on the Sunday, drivers were simply cruising through the first two stages to preserve their tyres so that they had good tyres for that last stage to try and get more points. Now, they've changed the whole point score system to try and alleviate that problem where drivers are slowing down, whereas in reality, all they needed to do was give every competitor a brand new set of tyres for that last stage, and then the problem was solved. But why they've gone this more complicated method and and why, um, only they know. Yeah, it's tricky to get your head around and try and work out who's going to score the most points as the Sunday is going on, Peter, as we're trying to to formulate in our heads where the championship's going to be situated after the end of the weekend. The simplicity of how Rally Monte Carlo ended up, I think, glossed over the problems that this point system will have. Thierry Neuville for Hyundai won Rally Monte Carlo, and he also won Sunday, scored maximum points for Sunday, and scored maximum points for the power stage. So the problem didn't arise in Monte Carlo, but it sure did arise in Sweden when yeah, the points get jumbled up together over this day, that day, this stage on Sunday. It's confusing, but and you can't yeah, change it. Like the FIA said that they have the ability to review this and be able to change it. But to change a point scoring system that's so different to what's been the case previously mid-season would be almost astonishing to think that it's even going to be looked at because oh, I'm sure, drivers I'm sure. and teams, they drive to the point system that's there and how you can ignore that and then change it so quickly or so rapidly, say mid-season, is, is difficult. Yeah, it's almost like changing the goalposts in the middle of a season for the football or, or something like that. Because I yeah. mean, guys who've, who guys like we mentioned of of Lappy and Formo who who didn't push at all on Sunday because they were going for Lappy for his for his second win, Formo for his first ever podium. They didn't need to push for the extra points. They just wanted the result. Whereas other guys, Evans, Tanak, Rovanpera, they were after as many points as possible so they could afford to push hard. And if they went off the road, well, so be it. The FIA's rally working group, as they're called, with a whole host of key names, with Robert Reid, with the FIA president, with David Richards, with Australian Gary Connolly on it. They've got a whole lot of things to talk about and a whole lot of things to work through because the WRC is at a point where it needs a bit of a refresh. Um, Oliver Solberg was in the support class and he was third at the end of day one. That was due to a number of retirements to the top class of cars, but it also shows the fact that there isn't enough cars in the top class of the World Rally Championship. So things are going to change, and I think they will change over the next little while, but these Rally 1 cars, gee, they're good to watch, and they're nice to to follow across on all the social media channels and all the WRC TV platforms because they're fast, they're exciting, and gee, they're... They fly over jumps like none other, do they? Yeah, and that's right. The biggest problem with, and this has been probably the the big problem since 2017 when that class of, of World Rally Car came in, is the fact that these cars don't filter down to other levels of the sport. At least if you've got a Rally 2 car, which is the, the second category, those cars are competing in national championships around the world. They're doing state championships in some, some countries or, or some areas. The World Rally cars, or, or what we now call the Rally 1 cars, they aren't filtering down simply because they're too expensive, and, and that's not going to change in the short term. So 
I think, and, and my understanding is moving forward that we will get to what they would maybe call a Rally 2 Plus, and that's that's a working name, I guess. It won't be called that, but it'll be the current Rally 2 cars with maybe uh, a bigger wing and a bit more power or something like that. So I think that's where we'll end up because it's clear that uh, the World Rally Championship, they need 15 top-level cars competing to win, not just five or six, which is the, which is what they've got at the moment. Mm, that's very true. Peter, what else have you got on your desk this week as the rallying world continues on? I know you went to an event at the weekend in Victoria. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I went to the annual Rally Retro Festival uh, in Bayswater, which was run by the Historic Rally Association. Um, a, a wonderful event. It's It's now an annual event. There was probably uh, 60 or 70 rally cars there, everything from um Peugeots and Renaults from the 1960s right through to Mini Coopers and Ford Escorts and Datsun Stanzas and right up to Escort Cosworths and and Toyota Celicas. So there was really there was something there for everybody and a, a huge crowd showed up. I mean it's it's held at the the Metech Driver Education Centre. Uh it's buried away a bit from the public so you're not getting a lot of off the street traffic which is I think what we really we really need for an event like that. But uh, the rally folk who came along and the motorsport fans really enjoyed it. And and from that, we were able to get a bunch of photographs and a bunch of information on some of the fantastic period rally cars that are still out there and that are either being rebuilt or refurbished. And, and some of those we've got coming up in features on the website uh, in the not-too-distant future. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great event and, and really glad to be there once again. Molly Taylor was in action as well overseas in the Extreme E Championship, the electric off-road racing series. She finished third in both of the events in Saudi Arabia at the weekend. It's the third season of Extreme E, and although Molly missed about half a season last year, she's been one of the well, consistently one of the top top women who were driving in that series, and it's gained some momentum right at the start. But I don't know where it's at. Peter, I know we love following Molly throughout the weekends that those events do happen, but the series itself, has it stalled? I don't know what you're sort of thinking and hearing. I think you're possibly right, Luke. I mean, that first year was, was fantastic and we we're all pretty excited on what the series offered. And and when Molly Taylor came away with the, the series win, that was uh, the icing on the cake. The last couple of years, yeah, maybe because Molly hasn't been there doing every event. Um, we've lost a bit of interest, but... Yeah, it's it's probably in that period where was it a fad? Um, there's a lot of great teams and a lot of great personalities in that series, your lobes and your and your sciences and all those sort of guys. But yeah, does it need to be an event which is more accessible to the public? Obviously, these events are generally in in areas like or countries like Saudi Arabia and places where you can't really get to them. So the spectator numbers aren't great, and maybe that's one of the detriments that the general rally fan or motorsport fan can't go out and watch it or as easily as they would like. Yeah, that's very true. Lots, as always, happening in the rally world, Peter. Next episode of the podcast, we'll probably have a guest, I would say. Uh, There's plenty of guests that we could talk about, but it must be surely one of those two drivers who competed in Rally Sweden, Taylor Gill or Peter Rullo. They'll be able to tell their stories about what happened across the World Rally Championship event, which was both their World Rally Championship debut and their snow debut. So there's going to be lots to talk about with those guys as we learn more about what snow rallying entails and 
and what might what the future might hold for both of those guys. So it's been great to talk to you, Peter. Is there anything else across the rally world that you want to bring up before we take a take a break and then catch up again next week? Uh, probably only with Molly Taylor, Luke. I mean, I think we, we just chatted briefly about Molly. I mean, there's, there's talk um, or pretty strong chatter that she's going to be doing several rounds of the Australian Rally Championship this year in the Subaru that she's driven in previously. Um, that'd be fantastic for, for the Australian series. There's there's also a bit of scuttlebuck rumour, chatter, whatever you want to call it, that uh, the, the factory Toyota team are getting the new Rally 2 Yaris GRs. So let's let's do some more research on that. But, um, yeah, it's a pretty exciting s- season coming up for the Australian Rally Championship and, and rallying in general. Absolutely. Peter, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your listenership and for supporting us as we move forward on the Motorsport Podcast Network. It's nice to be able to talk rallying with you, and it's a great season ahead. So if you've got a rally in your area, feel free to drop along, go to a spectator point, visit Rally Sport Magazine for all your rally news, features and opinions. And we look forward to chatting to you week after week as the season rolls around. Thanks, Peter. Good on you, Luke. Good on you, Luke. We'll chat next week. Hey, it's Mozzie here. I don't have much experience when it comes to rallying, but Walkinshaw Racing Services does. And they're available now for your rally needs. They can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication. No job is too big or too small. There's CNC machines, 3D printers, a chassis build shop, and paint and engine shop that you can utilize. And you don't need to be an Aussie champion or factory back to be able to. From club to state to national level competitors and car owners, let Walkinshaw Racing Services help you with your rally needs. Call now on 1300 W Racing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au.